Hey there, Poe listeners. Let's take a quick break to talk about pay.com.au, a game changer in the payment solutions arena. Are you a business owner bogged down by a cumbersome payment process and you no reward points? Well, pay.com.au has got you covered. With their platform, you can process payments faster, easier, and with better rewards than ever before, earning points with every business payment. Whether you're paying invoices, employees, your BAS statements, or simply looking to manage your business expenses more efficiently, pay.com.au is your go-to platform. Turn your reward points into business class flights or gift cards to incentivize and retain your staff. Check them out at pay.com.au and take your payment game to the next level. Welcome to another Prince of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to this episode. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's show. This week, we're super excited to welcome Adam Branell, CEO of Hector's Deli. Now, Adam's impressive background in food and beverage management has taken him all over the world and he's now steering the ship at Hector's Deli in Melbourne. Known for its standout sandwiches, Hector's is not just about great food, it's about innovative workplace practices as well. We're particularly keen to talk about today their shift to the four-day work week for their full-time staff and what it means to the industry. Podcast, mate. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sean. Now, your experience spans like various roles around the globe. And when we caught up a couple of months ago to first have a conversation about getting this podcast recording, I was just blown away by where you've worked and, and the places you've worked around the world. Obviously, now you're in Melbourne. Can you share how you came to the point that you're now CEO at Hector's? 15 plus years around the world, stretching from Abu Dhabi into the UK, Sundays, did a gig at Mount Buller for a little bit as well, and more recently worked heavily with Grilled over the last eight years as well. Landed in Victoria with that base, and my wife brought me here as well at the same time, so she she helped up open up Pentridge Prison, the new concept up there, so she's got a few venues up there. So we landed here, Hector's Deli came up, it's all about people that was probably the one thing that resonated with me from a values perspective very aligned to grilled from that point of view Mm. and gave me the opportunity to really get stuck into some other projects long term that I'd never really set out to do previously trying to take a brand from three delis and hopefully beyond in the near future is something that really was enticing and exciting and and circled around with some ripping people which makes a perfect recipe for a great workplace what was your first what was your first experience at Hector's before you came on board average (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea about Hector's when I first turned up and I actually went to Richmond. Yeah. And look, we make apologies for where we have been and that around wait times. I went to Richmond initially and yeah, I think I waited like 40, 45 minutes oh. on this particular day and it was raining and all sorts of bits <laughs> and pieces. And I went, but I had the sandwich and I actually chatted to a few people that were in line and I was like, why are you here? What is this place? And um, anyway, I got a bit of intel on the ground. Um, and then obviously you open up the sandwich and went, 
and, and devoured it and just went, right, I can see this and they're on to something. Um, let's try and get involved. So that's where the conversation started. Awesome. Mm. Now, obviously the sandwich scene in, in Victoria is massive. Like the last two years in sandwiches has just been extraordinary to see how many brands have popped up. Mm-hmm. What do you think that makes Hector's different? Because even when I speak to like our interstate clients that we work with, like Hector's comes up from a brand perspective all the time and, and obviously from a product perspective. But what is the secret sauce that is making you guys do so well? Simply put, an immense amount of focus on the product quality. So I've been working around the world in some really lovely venues from hotels and restaurants and worked with some really talented people. And I can see that transpire when Don Wilton started this business back in 2017. So now been six years running three delis and the amount of product, uh, sorry, the amount of uh, time um, and effort put into the product quality, everything being handmade, started from day one to where we are to now. And therefore, that has held the integrity of what we do and linked that to brand. And when we talk, start to talk about brand, his network and his experience also alludes to the strength in brand and what we do. It's really carefully considered. So the simplicity of the menu, the refinement of the ambience, the, the grind of the coffee, the look of the fresh bread and that feeling that you come in and that nostalgic look of going to the corner shop when you're a kid to get a, an egg salad sandwich and a chalky milkshake comes back into you and you're like, wow, I've just got these incredible chefs that have, are really talented bringing something so humble as a sandwich to life. And look, that so from a product quality perspective and from a brand point of view, and the other element there is I reference Subway being 45,000 sites internationally. Sandwiches are not a new thing. But no one's really gone after it. When we look at burgers and we look at Mexican and we look at Italian and a lot of Asian, particularly here in in Australia, in Oceania, we're so heavily inspired on that. But no one's really gone after the sandwich market. So if I go back to that first experience, some of these things started to tick off. And I was like, there's there's an edge in here that not a lot of people have gone after. We've got 1,200-odd subways in Australia. If we can take a chunk out of those and not necessarily 1200 of course but but understand what they do as a model because they've been really successful we're not going in any way shape or form in that direction but they've been successful for a reason and sandwiches are really approachable when you and i sit down we might enjoy having a sandwich or sorry or having a burger or a mexican joint or whatever it may be but having a sandwich opens up a whole different target market from from a gender perspective from an age perspective as well yeah it's a much more approachable element the product integrity has been incredible to get us that point and then we're obviously breaking open into a landscape that's probably been left a little uncharted for a number of years has it been hard since you've come on board to make sure that you can actually grow the revenue to a really sustainable level and then go forward with obviously a lot of sites. The reason I say that is obviously we worked at Grilled for a long period of time, both in different times of Grilled's trajectory. But the one thing which I think we can agree on is that people spend more on dinner than they do on lunch. 100%. So how do you make sure you can scale a brand like Hector's with amazing branding, but you're in this pocket of lunch like Mm -hmm. at the moment? Has that been hard to make sure you can add on products and, and get more dollars out of people essentially yeah great questions we spoke long and hard about this when i joined and and even before i joined hectors my mind was going into the direction of why is hectors not doing delivery service why is hectors not open on night trade why are we not doing alcohol why are these in from a revenue perspective you see these almost slam dunks going drop in from top line sales we sat there for the last first three months of my journey into hectors delhi and we spoke about our values service 
people, integrity, no waste, what our purpose is to pioneer the hospitality landscape. We knew that if we were to start to open up nights, we would draw a completely different... Yeah, we'd, our top line sales would categorically increase, full stop. If we started to look at delivery options, that would also increase. But when we talk about product and product quality and integrity, we know that technology right now at this point in time will not allow us to get a hot toasted sandwich that we have carefully curated to that office 20 minutes away how we want it to be enjoyed. So we've made the conscious decision to say, no, we want to protect our product quality. When we talk about night trade, there's the opportunity in the future that I'd like to see a pop-up sort of style on a Thursday. Thursday night being the new Friday, something that could be really hectors done and done really well. Whether that eventuates or not is something that we're working on in the background. But from a night trade perspective, we have been we've made that conscious decision to uh, dominate the lunchtime. That's our, our tagline. And you, you go after two markets. You go after lunchtime and dinner or you go after breakfast and lunchtime. What we do and how our business is modelled and the intensity of what we need to do means that we've got people prepping in like a fine dining restaurant from six, seven o'clock in the morning all the way through. So it makes sense operationally for us to protect that because if we start opening nights, then we've got people here from 6 a.m. all the way through to the middle of the night and it adds a layer of complexity. And that's not our brand. We want to keep things really simple and refined. And yeah, the opportunity to not do night trade is also segmenting it out of a lot of people that want to join us as well. People want to get away from working nights and seeing the kids and weekend work and all that sort of thing. That gives us the opportunity to open up a massive pool of talent of people to say, hey, that's not our direction. That's not where we want to go. Come and join us. You can get some of your flexibility, your lifestyle back. You want to go and pick up the kids from school at five o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe kids don't stay around at five o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe it's like <laughs> three, three thirty. Um, clearly, I've got a newborn. And I'm not at school. <laughs> They're not um, at school yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes that, that resonates with us from a brand and a purpose perspective, rather than drawing top line sales that could be easily done. We'll see, and we'll, we'll, we'll reassess that in the future. But that's where we stand for the moment. How did you go about making sure? How did you go about? the thought process into hold the business for catering, which you just launched recently, mm-hmm. rather than do something like delivery, which everyone else is doing. I think that is strategically so smart to do, to control it. Mm-hmm. But you must have had some robust conversations around mm. that as a team. I guess when we talk about concepts and projects and I keep on referencing our strategic framework, my team, I can already hear <laughs> listening to this going, stop using those words. <laughs> but when we talk about these things going forward, we sit down and we assess and we go, what's everyone else doing? And why isn't someone doing X? Or why isn't someone doing Y? The easy way in from a delivery point of view would be lock up three or four different delivery uh, partners and go after it. Um, Catering, I wholeheartedly believe that there's not a number of players out there that are doing it well. Now, there's obvious reasons why people are not doing it well. It requires a completely different skill set, a completely different operation. From a packaging and a brand perspective, it was really important for us to align on what that actually looked like. Catering gave us the opportunity to protect our product quality, i.e. we're doing fresh only. We're not doing toasties. We're not doing mm. we're not doing our fried section as well. We're not doing coffee. Delivery coffee is just, I don't even know how those words even associate in the same <laughs> sentence. So when we talk about getting our brand into an office personnel or a corporate group or even an, an event or style. It's our way of making sure that product quality can be held in a manner that we can do, that we can protect that journey as well. And that's an important part to obviously realise. We can do delivery, but as soon as it leaves it out front door, then we lose complete control and autonomy of what that actually looks like. We've thought really carefully from a catering point of view, 
when we're going to be doing this, launching into obviously summer months and then what that looks like from new sites in the future and when more dense profiles like CBD site locations and the like. So yeah, we, when we talk about product quality, we want to protect that and make sure that it's, yeah, it, it's done in a really carefully considered manner, not just drop it in and, and off you go. How did you make sure the, how did you make sure the catering experience was exciting for a guest? Because obviously you're trying to create – the amazing thing about Hector's is going there and lining up mm. and being part of that energy of people waiting for a product that's so good. How did you make sure you trans- transferred that to a catering angle? Um, packaging was a big one, massive one. So we've, we've probably worked on packaging for the last nine months. So there wow. was two prongs of this. There was one from a catering point of view on our internal packaging as well, which we – We'll hopefully have live very soon, if not already now. But we want to make sure that when we have this packaging element, that it becomes visual representation of who we are in alignment to brands. When we talk about the sleeve of the packaging and the pop of the colour that we've worked really hard on to make sure that we can actually see this and the style of the donuts that we can be ordered through catering and how they make sure they're separated. So to the uniforms that are worn when we go on to to deliver this to the process behind it that allows us to feel that warmth and that um, security of knowing what a brand is in association to when you walk in because i agree it could be easily just dumped on a table given at the front desk hey can you just make sure this goes up to level 13 Mm. i'm sure they'll enjoy it and then we're almost back to the same conversation from a delivery point of view so There'll be so much that we can control and there'll be a little that we can, but little that we can't. But we need to understand that there are elements in there that we continue to refine and we've deliberately launched catering on a soft level, i.e. we haven't gone to the world initially before we start to ramp up because we want to understand some of these logistical issues. And we know in many respects in a project like this, we get one shot at it. And this might be the first opportunity that someone has a Hector's Deli sandwich in their office and go, yeah, I've heard so many great things about it, but this sandwich doesn't look good. It doesn't it doesn't present as well it could be. They're the things that we've yeah, carefully refining as we go forward. Amazing. When we connected for the first time a couple of months ago, one of the reasons I really wanted to pick your brain at that point was the four-day work week around that had just been launched. You guys were out in the market talking about that yep. very progressively, which was awesome. I'm very passionate about that as well. I think it legitimizes a lot of roles in hospitality and will bring hospitality people back to hospitality. How did you make that transition? Whereabouts are you guys at the journey at the moment? Mm. The transition was relatively easy, I'm going to say. When we sat down and we spoke about those values and purpose that we we were talking about, we link it back to people mentioned already around um, the night trade and the direction operationally, what that actually looks like. So a four-day working week, what we have learnt now that we've been in this field for the last four months, we've learnt that Flexibility is probably the most key word that we need to understand. And therefore, rather than putting in guidelines and guideposts to say, do this and don't this, i.e. you have to do five days, we have to do four days, you have to do these hours, it allows us the flexibility for the team to choose what they want. So we've actually seen there's a couple of people that have gone, you know what, this is actually not my lifestyle. I'd rather prefer to have a five-day week because that better suits me. So we have a couple of team members that have decided to go that way just recently. Everyone else has stayed to it. Everyone else has loved it. There's the recharge day in the middle that we've deliberately positioned right in the middle of the four days to ensure that the team are looking after themselves. We've labelled this internally hospitality reborn. Hospitality reborn is phase one of this and then... A part of that hospitality reborn phase one was also ensuring that 
every single person in the business, unless they absolutely want it, must have a weekend day off as well. So a deli manager, assistant deli manager, any of our supervisors, we've structured the business to allow five-day working week or a four-day working week and all the casuals and part-time. So unless they're specifically chasing that, then that what Saturday or Sunday can be held off as well. Hospitality Reborn is just the start of what we want to do. We want to be really proud of us as a, as a brand from a sandwich perspective and that's what everyone knows us. My job in my role is to make sure we can elevate the brand so we can attract incredible people for the longevity and change the way hospitality is perceived to the wider world. Why can't we sit down, when we spoke last time, why can't we sit down at year 10 and year 11 and talk about hospitality as a career? A four-day working week is a step in the right direction. The reason why we went that way is no one else in hospitality was more or less doing it. There's a lot of retail workers out there and office workers that are doing it. There's the flexibility. So again, I go back to that question of saying, if it hasn't been done, why can't we do it? Let's challenge that and go after it. This is phase one. It's a really exciting part. And then that way, over the next few months and into the next years, we can really start to share with the world what we're doing and hopefully start to secure a a good funnel and pipeline of wonderful people that want to come in and enjoy what we do as uh, on the deck, but also as a part of our purpose and pipeline, training, development, coaching, all that as well. Mm. Can I ask a bit more granular questions if that's okay? Because I think there's going to be a lot of value to people who are listening. Mm-hmm. How does it work with a four-day week if they go from doing an eight-hour shift to now doing a 10-hour shift? Mm-hmm. How are you managing things like breaks and things like that if yep. you've got baristas and you've got chefs who are doing 10-hour days? Yep. So 10-hour days, 30-minute break can be taken ad hoc and can actually be added a second 30-minute break. So if you're looking at a 6.30 to 4.30, 6.30 can be the start time anywhere between before what we call our golden window pr- to protect our guest experience 11 till 2. So a break can be taken through that one. Then you've got two mandatory rest breaks as well in addition to that. So that allows us to give us flexibility. What we were finding, as I said, that there's a lot of individuals that get to the end of that 4 p.m., 4.30 day and go, that's a, that's a long day and therefore I prefer not to. And more personal reasons rather than the intensity of the shift because there's a lot of people that are used to standing on their feet for 10 hours in a day. Hence coming back to that recharge day to break it up. So we made sure that four days straight didn't become the norm because speaking to a lot of people in my network, having trialled this before, that was one of their biggest errors. That fourth day became, oh, I don't want to do it. It's too Mm. hard. It's too long. Yeah, from from a break point of view, managing expectations around what role it's doing. So Keeping in mind, we've restu- we've worked really hard from a rostering and a structure perspective that allows our team to change stations. We have floating roles where our leaders can start to chop in and chop out as well. So it gives them a little bit of a break when they're on shift as well. We're not just sitting there cooking toasties for 10 hours straight. And let's not also forget there's so much that needs to be done outside of what a guest actually sees. From a prep perspective, team management, coaching and then the like, And the other one we've actually started to do now recently is alter the shifts to offset as well. So rather than the 6.30 to 4.30, some of the leaders are doing like a 7 to to 5. From an administration point of view, they sit down for the last half an hour or 45 minutes, whatever it may be, just to catch up on everything they need to do in a quiet environment when everything's done. So just, and we'll continue to mould that way as we go to make sure we can continue to look after the team. Have you employed many new people into the business since you've launched the four-day work week? Uh, yep. What's their feedback been when um, they first come and have that interview with you and talk through that process? I have a lot of interviews personally and with, and with the team that the feedback has been, wow, What? <laughs> and I'm joining because I've heard about this. So how does it work? And what is the logistics? Getting granular in it. What is it? The most consistent feedback I hear is 
I'd rather work an extra hour and a half on a day to get a whole day off. And that is, and I resonate with that. I'd rather sit back for another hour, an hour and a half, whatever it may be on the, on the shift to have a whole day off the next day. And that's as simple as it is. Mm. Now that not necessarily work with everyone because 6.30 to 5, 4.30 might not necessarily work with people's lifestyle and individuality. That's fine. Yeah, it, it is obviously a case by case, but that's probably the biggest feedback that we've heard fairly consistently from the entire team. Did it take a while to get the rostering part right to make sure yeah. the business could actually afford <laughs> afford that change because that's a big change you're going yeah. from a lot of permanent some really interested to know how you do it but like a lot of permanent staff casual staff and then maybe more permanent on different days yeah the one weekend day off that's amazing that's a lot to manage uh i, I don't know how many hours i spent on this i was actually <laughs> working with with one of my guys yesterday going through the process again look the process of building rostering principles, structured templates, a build-to guide based around forecasted sales, having the flexibility of having casual shifts on top of that. So keep that in mind that we have fixed part-time shifts. We've got four-day working week managers. We've also got casuals that flex in and out that allows us to cover public holidays and the like as well. In summary, absolute nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we we were at that time in my tenure with the business we were building a lot of it as we're coming. We we're building processes and guidelines and structure about what the business looked like. So we were really re-engineering about what our service experience looks like. So whilst we were doing the sim- simplicity of what a rostering, a good roster looks like, we were carefully curating around why we're involving a deli manager in a float role that can protect the guest and make sure that they can jump into the kitchen and grab an order and come back out and talk to that guest and fix an order and explain and multi-skilling our backer house team members to be able to make a coffee or you know take a till at all uh, take an order at till and so forth so um, we broke open the mold of what our structure was previously to um, create a, a lot more flexibility and which creates a lot more engagement people see a pipeline and a growth to go oh okay front of house actually isn't so bad i could be a deadly manager or vice versa i really want to get in that kitchen and get my hands dirty and therefore i want to see progression and again keeps the role a little bit more fluid and therefore any one day is not necessarily the same for the team as well did it take a long time to build in that training, learning, development into the team? Because they're trying to train a person who's normally back of house to come and do a coffee that's actually good because mm-hmm. that's what you guys do as mm-hmm. well, like amazing coffee. Was that one hard to do operationally, mm-hmm. but second one also hard to get those staff on board to do that because that's a multifaceted role mm-hmm. and there's so many sandwich bars, cafes that a barista is just a barista and that's what they're paid for. They're not going to do anything else. Totally respect that. Yeah. But to make someone do a multifaceted role is a challenge in itself to try and make that happen. Yeah. Yes, it was difficult. Challenging, particularly from a chefing background, to be able to liaise with guests is not necessarily the norm. Let's call it it is what it is. When you are back at house, you tend to say behind the scenes a little bit more. The structure changes after our supervisory level. So supervisors are strictly front of house and back of house. And when it becomes an assistant deli manager, we are cross-training with experts, and I'll get to the experts in a minute, with whatever area they need to be covered on. So let's say, for example, a chef that has been hired back at house is coming into an assistant deli management role. The expectation of the business in, a, in some really close, confined restriction and training guidelines is that you can make a coffee or take an order on till, but you're not making 300 coffees in the middle of service. And so therefore, when operationally we have some a front of house team member our barista that calls in sick 15 minutes before the shift cap happens at seven o'clock and sean walks in and says can i get a coffee 
we used to say no. Now we can go, okay, we can actually serve that coffee or take that order at that till. And that's our expectation and vice versa. We don't want our baristas and our front of house team members to be experts in the kitchen and vice versa. That's not a, a clever business model. But we want to keep engagement high and we want to keep the connection between the team really close rather than segregated front of house and back of house. And that's probably been one of the most rewarding parts is because we're seeing that cross-pollination a little more that the team are combining and they see an us as a deli rather than us and them. When I referenced the experts in a part of that roster building process, we were putting in a head of guest experience and beverage, which oversees all the operations from coffee, beverage and front of house steps of service. So he's got a wealth of knowledge and experience that oversees the three deli. So he's deployed specifically to come in and train that that chef in the coffee field and vice versa. We've got a head of culinary ops that does exactly the same thing for team members that are interested in developing out of supervisor, as an example, into assistant deli manager. So let's make it really clear that team members and supervisors are still strictly front of house and back of house unless there's a desire to start to come into it and then that mould starts to chain in the assistant deli manager. Those roles of head of guest experience and head of culinary ops are integral for our success. Often in businesses that you and I run are seen as an operations manager that has to be the jack of all trades and effectively master of very few. Mm. So therefore, when we talk about product quality, when we started this podcast, that's so important for us that we need to be able to have a head of culinary ops that works really close with Dom from a conceptual perspective and be able to bring that life to make sure that every single sandwich that leaves that pass is exactly the spec that we wanted it. So easy to make a fantastic sandwich that's one, but how do we go and do it at 300 in the middle of a Sunday service lunch and make sure that the quality is consistent? Look, we know we're not perfect, but we're putting in processes and practices to make sure that our team looked after, but our guest experience and our product quality is protected as well. That's an amazing idea. How did you get the idea to do that? Because that's very unusual. Like you'll often see it with cafe brands, how they'll get whoever is supplying that coffee to come in and do periodical training with their baristas on a regular basis, sometimes new staff, sometimes experienced staff and that kind of stuff. That's where that sits. Otherwise, you're completely right. Like it's usually with an ops manager or or an area manager. Or the manager on shift, yeah. Or the manager on shift who is training that. So that must give – is that – like how did that idea come about and do you find that gives more flexibility – and calmness to people to the staff who are actually running the venue every day. How did the idea come about? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a really simple answer. <laughs> I, I saw an opportunity and went, "There's a gap in our operation. What do we do about it, and how do we fix it?" Let me reference all the other business that we've done, and and a, and a part of even my role. If you look at what I do, I can't be the master at everything. We've got to surround ourselves by really talented damn people and be really good collaborators. Lead by example. Communicate really well give timely feedback and the like, but ensuring that we have the right person with the right role that is integral in the operation as well. And we often forget that. We go, every other mould, or many other moulds, I should say, is managers and assistants, and then some will break out front of house and back of house, but there's not necessarily a specialised role that's going to come in. Two parts I'd probably touch on here is that we are still using our suppliers and that will start to be, as we start to grow, that'll that'll take a lot of pressure off that individual. Therefore, their ground framework training will be completed and that'll be beginner, intermediate, and there'll be refresher courses that we'll be doing through our supplier. So that's all a part of our agreement moving forward, which is really exciting. So they'll get all their barista training done before they, or effectively before they start, and then they'll get refreshers along that journey. And then Nick's role, head of guest experience, will be able to come in and make 
make sure that all training and all specs is up to speed and then there might be pressure that needs to be done or he sees them, works alongside them for half an hour and goes, you know what, I need to lock it in, we need to get back out and do some more training across that. So, yeah, that's a really exciting part. Can't remember where I was going with our second point, but, yeah, that's what's happening at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys focusing on brand? The one, thing I, the one thing I love about Hector's the most is the fact you've got a tight enough menu that operationally it makes it it must make it simple for the team mm-hmm. but big enough that people can come in a couple of different times a week and try different things mm-hmm. how much time you are you guys actually spending on brand to make sure you can bring in things when you bring in new things whether it be a donut or a drink or mm-hmm. a new sandwich that it actually relates to the brand mm. i think about 23 out of 24 hours of don <laughs> wilton's life talks about brand mate the guys of creative genius He's right brain and I'm left brain. That's why we work really well together. Yeah. Or did I get that way the wrong way? Anyway, I'm the logic. He's the creator. The brand element of what he does is truly fascinating to watch. Connected, understands the hospitality scene uh, like some of the best I've ever worked with, particularly on a Melbourne basis, but also from an international level as well. And when we, I've referenced this a few points now, a few times now, but talking about what others are doing and is there a gap in the market there, we're, we're really pegging ourselves against the international market and understanding what's happening in France and Italy and New York. What are other venues doing and how are we doing that? London's another really good one. So that brand element, when we talk about the layout of delis like we we talk hours and hours on this like what is the perfect deli style and the experience it's going to be carefully considered around promoting that um, fresh sandwich and fresh salad um, environment more to come on that so the grind of the coffee as i said to you before and the look of and the whitewash and the sense of refinement for all the way through to our uniforms they're all really carefully considered. So there's a ton of work that goes in behind the scenes and I'll give a lot of credit to Dom and how he's got the brand to it into that level all the way through to the socials and what we do on marketing. So yeah, that's where we're going and we, we'll need more of that talent going forward because Dom's only one guy at the end of the day from a brand perspective and we need to make sure that we can bolster and support him as we grow because there's other incredibly gifted marketing geniuses out there as well that will more from a long-term strategic perspective that will allow Dom to really get more creative and bring it to life as well. Mm -hmm. As we record this podcast, you're about to launch salads. Mm -hmm. When this was released, you would have launched salads. So (laughs) So how did it go? I'm sure it went very well. (laughs) Tell us the learnings. No, how are you, why have you made the play into those kind of parts of the business and those kind of parts of the product experience, I should say, and what are your sort of plans for building out the product range, if I can ask you? Fresh is our direction. We know we've got cracking toasted sandwiches that make up a big percentage of what we do from a volume point of view. Fresh is a an association to lunchtime, early morning, made on site, kept really local. It's intrinsically aligned to brand and the direction that we want to do. So if we all encompass that word fresh, that means that fresh sandwiches and soon to follow the salad element allows us to head in a direction without giving too much away head in a direction that will be very difficult to follow or replicate and therefore we are we're excited about this opportunity we know that there's again i reference approachable opening up a salad element will make us even more approachable 
we're not going to overcomplicate it. We never have. We want to keep our brand really simple and clean with certain amount of elements that will allow us to drop in additions, i.e. chicken, tuna, chickpea, all that sort of stuff, and will give us an opportunity to head in a direction that we are really aligned to from a brand point of view. And then on the back end, understand what our consumers want. Is it going to blow up? Is it going to be a complete failure? We don't think it will be. We think it'll be a huge pillar of success, which will lay into catering elements as well. Yeah, that's a really exciting opportunity for us. And yeah, we'd love to see and share more with it as we go. And we we reference businesses like Fishbowl is doing a wonderful thing. But if you look at likes of Sweet Green overseas as well, they are chewing up a big market over there and paving the way of what salads can and look and feel like um, and some of the technology that they're using it's just it's mm. fascinating what they're doing and seeing um, so yeah watch this space as we continue to grow I don't think we're going to have robots in our delis anytime soon but um, <laughs> yeah it's an exciting path that we are some of us have also having a bit of fun and just understanding that you know we are creative we want to do things a little bit different let's test it if it doesn't go well and now we know we can get the product right but if it doesn't move and, it, and, and our consumers are saying that no I really want just a really great fresh sandwich or a toasted sandwich or whatever it may be then so be it will it won't become a part of our long term but um, it's good to have these projects trialed and tested now versus two or three years down the path and wash out our brand if you like which is really we're so conscious about making sure that we don't offer every single thing under the planet as far as what we have now and that goes straight into we've had a big long conversation about what our sides offering looks like and again same thing we could easily put on coated chicken tenders if you like that would probably blow up very quickly but it's not a part of our model we don't want to do that and there's and we're really carefully considering what that looks like my final question to you is like how are you actually thinking about expansion and reformat to the brand at the moment because obviously in the three three sites you've got at the moment there's a lot of similarities the fact that i think the really smart brand play with hectares is the fact that most people say hectares Mm -hmm. but the fact it's hectares deli you're not hector salads or hector sandwiches or anything like that. Like yep. it means you can do whatever the hell you want, <laughs> right? That laugh tells me that's the reason why it's done. What are you guys thinking about brand expansion, if you can tell us, and, and maybe different versions of the brand in the future? We're still in our infancy when it comes to the second part of that question, and that is understanding what will be Hector's Deli five years from now. We know that like... When, when was the last time you had one of our maple glazed donuts? Oh, about three weeks ago. Yeah. Is yeah. that awesome? Yes. <laughs> we know that that donut and bake section that we still have internally as our business that we bake on site is a huge area that we'd love to trial and test and see how it goes. Again, keeping it really simple, aligned to purpose, protecting the product, but we don't know how big that can potentially go and therefore are there other conceptual ideas of what a deli looks like with a baked goods and coffee then there's a pure fresh element if this what we're talking about now in catering in the fresh section and the salad if that starts heading in another direction then is it depending on state and location and particularly temperature you know if you're talking mornington to noosa to byron are you going to go and open up a fresh only deli who knows but that's five years plus right now and we're working and that's why i say we're in our infancy by understanding that we don't have all those answers right now so by doing these projects over the next 12 and 18 months our consumers will quickly educate us on what is the most enjoyable and what direction is that they'd like to see us go so 
we don't necessarily know all of that. Back to the first point, first question, which was where are expansion and growth plans? Conservative and considered Melbourne first. We really, we love Melbourne. Melbourne is where we started. Most The most amazing brands that are national level in Australia started here. Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. If you can take on Melbourne and, and the and our guests say you've done well. It's almost like a green light. Like you can go to the big boy world and go out into other Agreed. east coasts of Australia. We love it. This will always be home. And we want to share this offering with other states, particularly up the east coast. So that's on the horizon over the next couple of years. And I say it's conservative because we've got people on a daily basis. When are you coming to Sydney? When are you coming to Brisbane? When are you coming to the Gold Coast? And we're like, we'd really love to be there, but we've got to do things the right way and make sure that we, all the things we spoke about from a product and structure and people perspective is really, yeah, considered. With that being said, we're going to be looking for some awesome talent. So as we started this podcast about why we're doing the things that we are doing, there's going to be lots of growth. There's going to be lots of opportunity from in the office, from a, a specialised skill perspective into the operations and anywhere in between. I, If I was listening to this, then I would hear that and say, that's really exciting because it's not just going to be three delis. There's going to be a few more to come and therefore there's opportunity to grow and learn. And if we go back to the first question when we started this podcast about what have I learned around the world, in my experience is hire the right people that understand their why, that are not chasing money or a title and are really values aligned because we can teach anyone everything in hospitality, but from a values perspective, if they're aligned to what we want to do and how what we want to achieve, then they might not necessarily have the experience, but we'd rather work with them for the next two, three, four years and hopefully stay with us for a very long period of time. But if they walk away from Hector's Deli and we've learned, we've taught them so much about who they are and how to run a really successful business or be a graphic designer or be in our IT team, then we want them to be a part of something that's really special and a bit of a movement, if you like. Yeah, we'll be looking after, looking out for really good talent over the next sort of 12 and 18 months as we start to hopefully put on a, a couple more delis. Well done. Thanks. Just from my perspective, <laughs> well done. Like, it's humbling to sit here and have a conversation with a person who's killing it in the industry, got a brand that is just waiting to go, but then says we want to do it in the right way, we want to do it conservatively, like you haven't said, we're going to do 20 venues next year, because you easily could. We could. But you're doing it the right way and you're thinking about people in mind. And credit to you and the team and Dom and the team, like you're doing an amazing job and I can't wait to see what you guys do next. Thanks, man. Um, I appreciate it. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast so you can connect with Adam and connect with the team at Hector's if you'd like to work at Hector's. We'll just go and visit one of their venues. They're amazing. Adam, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Sean. Pleasure. <laughs> thanks again for tuning to this episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. I definitely know I did, especially as we're so passionate about four-day work week as well. So it's great to see a brand like Hector's Deli doing it so well. Please comment and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind. So sharing along would be very much appreciated. Thanks for tuning to this episode. Until next time, stay well, everyone. Hey there, Poe listeners. Let's take a quick break to talk about pay.com.au a game changer in the payment solutions arena. Are you a business owner bogged down by cumbersome payment process and you know reward points? Well, pay.com.au has got you covered. 
With their platform, you can process payments faster, easier, and with better rewards than ever before, earning points with every business payment. Whether you're paying invoices, employees, your BAS statements, or simply looking to manage your business expenses more efficiently, pay.com.au is your go-to platform. Turn your reward points into business class flights or gift cards to incentivize and retain your staff. Check them out at pay.com.au and take your payment game to the next level.